0: Chapter Twenty Four, Part Two of *The Betrothed*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. *The Betrothed* by Alessandro Manzoni chapter twenty four part two invigorated in body and gradually revived in heart lucia now began to settle her dress from an instinctive habit of cleanliness and modesty she tied up and arranged afresh her loose and dishevelled tresses and adjusted the handkerchief over her bosom and around her neck in doing this her fingers became entangled in the chaplet she had hung there her eyes rested upon it aroused an instantaneous agitation in her heart the remembrance of her vow hitherto suppressed and stifled by the presence of so many other sensations suddenly rushed upon her mind and presented itself clearly and distinctly to her view the scarcely recovered powers of her soul were again at once overcome and had she not been previously prepared by a life of innocence resignation and confiding faith the consternation she experienced at that moment would have amounted to desperation after a tumultuous burst of such thoughts as were not to be expressed in words the only ones she could form in her mind were Oh, poor me, whatever have I done? But scarcely had she indulged the thought when she had felt a kind of terror at having done so. She recollected all the circumstances of the vow, her insupportable anguish, her despair of all human succour, the fervency of her prayer, the entireness of feeling with which the promise had been made and after having obtained her petition to repent of her promise, seemed to her nothing less than sacrilegious and perfidy towards God and the Virgin. She imagined that such unfaithfulness would draw down upon her new and more terrible misfortunes, in which she could not find consolation even in prayer, and she hastened to abjure her momentary regret reverently taking the rosary from her neck and holding it in her trembling hand she confirmed and renewed the vow imploring at the same time with heart-rending earnestness that strength might be given her to fulfil it and that she might be spared such thoughts and occurrences as would be likely if not to disturb her resolution at least to harass her beyond endurance the distance of Renzo, without any probability of return, that distance which she had hitherto felt so painful, now seemed to her a dispensation of Providence, who had made the two events work together for the same end, and she thought to find in one a motive of consolation for the other, and, following up this thought, she began representing to herself that the same providence to complete the work would know what means to employ to induce renzo himself to be resigned to think no more but scarcely had such an idea entered her mind when all was again overturned the poor girl feeling her heart still prone to regret the vow again had recourse to prayer confirmation of the promise and inward struggles from which she arose if we may be allowed the expression like the wearied and wounded victor from his fallen enemy at this moment she heard approaching footsteps and joyous cries it was the little family returning from church two little girls and a young boy bounded into the house who stopping a moment to cast an inquisitive glance at lucia ran to their mother and gathered around her one inquiring the name of the unknown guest and how and why another attempting to relate the wonderful things they had just witnessed while the good woman replied to each and all be quiet be quiet with a more sedate step but with cordial interest depicted on his countenance the master of the house then entered he was if we have not yet said so, the tailor of the village and its immediate neighbourhood, a man who knew how to read, who had, in fact, read more than once Il Legendario di Santi and Il Riele di Francia, and who had passed among his fellow villagers as a man of talent and learning a character, however, which he modestly disclaimed, only saying that he had mistaken his vocation, and that, had he applied himself to study, instead of so many others, and so on. With all this he was the best-tempered creature in the world. Having been present when his wife was requested by the curate to undertake her charitable journey, he had not only given his approbation, but would also have added his persuasion had it been necessary and now that the services the pomp the concourse and above all the sermon of the cardinal had as the saying is elevated all his best feelings he returned home with eager anticipations and an anxious desire to know how the thing had succeeded and to find the innocent young creature safe see there she is said the good wife as he entered pointing to lucia who blushed and rose from her seat beginning to stammer forth some apology but he advancing towards her interrupted her excuses congratulating her on her safety and exclaiming welcome welcome you are the blessing of heaven in this house how glad i am to see you here i was pretty sure you would be brought out safely for i have never found that the lord began a miracle without bringing it to a good end but i am glad to see you here poor girl but it is indeed a great thing to have received a miracle let it not be thought that he was the only person who thus denominated this event because he had read the legendary as long as the remembrance of it lasted it was spoken of in no other terms in the whole village and throughout the neighbourhood and to say truth considering its attendant and following consequences no other name is so appropriate then sidling up to his wife who was taking the kettle off the hook over the fire he whispered did everything go on well very well i'll tell you afterwards yes yes at your convenience dinner now being quickly served up the mistress of the house went up to lucia and leading her to the table made her take a seat then cutting off a wing of the fowl she set it before her and she and her husband sitting down they both begged their dispirited and bashful guest to make herself at home and take something to eat between every mouthful the tailor began to talk with great eagerness in spite of the interruptions of the children who stood round the table to their meal, and who in truth had seen too many extraordinary things to, to play for any length of time, the part of mere listeners. He described the solemn ceremonies, and then passed on to the miraculous conversion but that which had made the most impression upon him and to which he most frequently returned was the cardinal's sermon to see him there before the altar said he a gentleman like him like a curate and that gold thing he had on his head said a little girl hush to think i say a gentleman like him such a learned man too that from what people say he has read all the books there are in the world a thing which nobody else has ever done not even in milan to think that he knew how to say things in such a way that everyone understood even i understood very well said another little prattler hold your tongue what may you have understood i wonder i understood that he was explaining the gospel instead of the signor curate well be quiet i don't say those who know something for then one is obliged to understand but even the dullest and most ignorant could follow out the sense go now and ask them if they could repeat the words that he spoke i'll engage they could not remember one but the meaning they will have in their heads and without ever mentioning the name of that signor how easy it was to see that he was alluding to him besides to understand that one had only to observe him with the tears standing in his eye and then the whole church began to weep yes indeed they did burst forth the little boy but why were they all crying in that way like children hold your tongue surely there are some hard hearts in this country AND HE MADE US SEE SO WELL, THAT THOUGH THERE IS A FAMINE HERE, WE OUGHT TO THANK GOD, AND BE CONTENT, DO WHATEVER WE CAN, WORK INDUSTRIOUSLY, HELP ONE ANOTHER, AND THEN BE CONTENT, BECAUSE IT IS NO DISGRACE TO SUFFER AND BE POOR, THE DISGRACE IS TO DO EVIL, AND THESE ARE NOT ONLY FINE WORDS, FOR EVERYBODY KNOWS THAT HE LIVES LIKE A POOR MAN HIMSELF, AND TAKES THE BREAD OUT OF HIS OWN MOUTH TO GIVE TO THE HUNGRY. When he might be enjoying good times better than anyone ah then it gives one satisfaction to hear a man preach not like so many others do what i say and not what i do and then he showed us that even those who are not what they call gentlemen if they have more than they actually want are bound to share it with those who are suffering here he interrupted himself as if checked by some thought he hesitated a moment then filling a platter from the several dishes on the table and adding a loaf of bread he put it into a cloth and taking it by the four corners said to his eldest girl here take this he then put into her other hand a little flask of wine and added go down to the widow maria leave her these things and tell her it is to make a little feast with her children but do it kindly and nicely you know, that it may not seem as if you were doing her a charity. And don't say anything. If you meet anyone and take care, you break nothing. Lucia's eyes glistened and her heart glowed with tender emotion as from the conversation she had already heard she had received more comfort than an expressly consolatory sermon could possibly have imparted to her her mind attracted by these descriptions these images of pomp and these emotions of piety and wonder and sharing in the very enthusiasm of the narrator was detached from the consideration of its own sorrows and on returning to them found itself strengthened to contemplate them even the thought of her tremendous sacrifice though it had not lost its bitterness brought with it something of austere and solemn joy shortly afterwards the curate of the village entered and said that he was sent by the cardinal to inquire after lucia and to inform her that his grace wished to see her some time during the day and then in his lordship's name he returned many thanks to the worthy couple surprised and agitated the three could scarcely find words to reply to such messages from so great a personage and her mother hasn't arrived yet said the curate to lucia my mother exclaimed the poor girl then hearing from him how he had been sent to fetch her by the order and suggestion of the archbishop she drew her apron over her eyes and gave way to a flood of tears which continued to flow for some time after the curate had taken his leave when however the tumultuous feelings which had been excited by such an announcement began to yield to more tranquil thoughts the poor girl remembered that the now closely impending happiness of seeing her mother again a happiness so unhoped for a few hours previous was what she had expressively implored in those very hours and almost stipulated as a condition of her vow bring me in safely to my mother she had said and these words now presented themselves distinctly to her memory she strengthened herself more than ever in the resolution to maintain her promise and afresh and more bitterly lamented the struggle and regret she had for a moment indulged agnes indeed while they were talking about her was but a very little way off it may easily be imagined how the poor woman felt at this unexpected summons and at the announcement necessarily defective and confused of an escape but fearful danger an obscure event which the messenger could neither circumstantiate nor explain and of which she had not the slightest ground of explanation in her own previous thoughts after tearing her hair after frequent exclamations of ah my god ah madonna after putting various questions to the messenger which he had not the means of satisfying she threw herself impetuously into the vehicle continuing to utter on her way numberless ejaculations and useless inquiries but at this certain point she met don trudging on step after step and before each step his walking-stick after an o from both parties he stopped agnes also stopped and dismounted and drawing him apart into a chestnut grove on the roadside, she there learnt from Don Abondidio all that he had been able to ascertain and observe. The thing was not clear, but at least Agnes was assured that Lucia was in safety, and she again breathed freely. After this, Don Abondidio tried to introduce another subject, and give her minute instructions as to how she ought to behave before the archbishop if as was likely he should wish to see her and her daughter and above all that it would not do to say a word about the wedding but agnes perceiving that he was only speaking for his own interest cut him short without promising indeed without proposing anything for she had something else to think about and immediately resumed her journey. At length the cart arrived and stopped at the tailor's house. Lucia sprang up hastily. Agnes dismounted and rushed impetuously into the cottage, and in an instant they were locked in each other's arms. The good dame, who alone was present, tried to encourage and calm them, and share with them in their joy, then with her usual discretion she left them for a while alone saying that she would go and prepare a bed for them for which indeed she had the means though in any case both she and her husband would much rather have slept upon the ground than suffer them to go in search of shelter elsewhere for that night the first bursts of sobs and embraces being over agnes longed to hear lucia's adventures and the latter began mournfully to relate them but as the reader is aware it was a history which no one knew fully and to lucia herself there were some obscure passages which were in fact quite inextricable more particularly the fatal coincidence of that terrible carriage being in the road just when lucia was passing on an extraordinary occasion on this point both mother and daughter were lost in conjecture without ever hitting the mark or even approaching the real cause as to the principal author of the plot neither one nor the other could for a moment doubt but that it was don rodrigo ah the black villain ah the infernal firebrand exclaimed agnes but his hour will come GOD WILL REWARD HIM ACCORDING TO HIS WORKS, AND THEN HE, TOO, WILL FEEL. NO, NO, MOTHER, NO, INTERRUPTED Lucia. DON'T PREDICT SUFFERING FOR HIM. DON'T PREDICT IT TO ANYONE. IF YOU KNEW WHAT IT WAS TO SUFFER, IF YOU HAD TRIED IT. NO, NO, RATHER LET US PRAY GOD AND THE MADONNA FOR HIM. THAT GOD WOULD TOUCH HIS HEART, AS HE HAS DONE TO THIS OTHER POOR signor, WHO WAS WORSE THAN HE IS and is now a saint. The shuddering horror that Lucia felt in retracing such recent and cruel scenes made her more than once pause in the midst, more than once she said she had not the courage to go on, and, after many tears, with difficulty resumed her account. But a different feeling checked her at a certain point of the narration, at the mention of the vow, the fear of being blamed by her mother as imprudent and precipitate, or that, as in the affair of the wedding, she should bring forward one of her broad rules of conscience and try to make it prevail, or that, poor woman, she should tell it to someone in confidence, if nothing else, to obtain light and counsel, and thus make it publicly known, from the bare idea of which Lucia shrank back with insupportable shame, together with a feeling of present shame and an inexplicable repugnance to speak on such a subject. All these things together determined her to maintain absolute silence on this important circumstance, proposing in her own mind to open herself first to Father Cristoforo but what did she feel when in inquiring after him she heard that he was no longer at pescaranico that he had been sent to a town far far away to a town bearing such and such a name and renzo said agnes he's in safety isn't he said lucia hastily that much is certain because everybody says so it is thought too, pretty surely, that he's gone to the territory of Bergamo, but the exact place nobody knows, and hitherto he has sent no news of himself. Perhaps he hasn't yet found a way of doing so. Ah, if he's in safety, the Lord be praised, said Lucia, and she was seeking some other subject of conversation when they were interrupted by an unexpected novelty the appearance of the cardinal archbishop this holy prelate having returned from church where we last left him and having heard from the unnamed of lucia's safe arrival had sat down to dinner placing his new friend on his right hand in the midst of a circle of priests who were never weary of casting glances at that countenance now so subdued without weakness so humble without dejection and of comparing him with the idea that had so long entertained of this formidable personage chapter twenty four part two